Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Good morning, church. Are we good? Man, I don't know if you were here Friday night, but Friday night was good for my soul, and I'm so grateful for this amazing group of people and all of our production team that works so hard to make it possible. Man, we're in, we're in a crazy season right now, and if maybe this is your first time worshiping with us, or maybe you're here just in the last few weeks, we are in a series called Live Love, and this is a series that we do every single year because it reminds us of why we're here Over the years, there has been so much about this church has changed. And many of you in the room, you've been here for all those evolutions from from my living room when there was just a handful of us that sat around and just dreamed. And y'all, we didn't didn't dream about all the stuff you see here. We didn't sit around and we didn't sit around the table and think, y'all, wouldn't it be awesome someday if we had really cool lights? We didn't even sit around and say, man, wouldn't it be awesome if someday God blesses us with incredibly talented musicians? And now look at me. I'm grateful for all those things. But we sat around believing that God still wanted to do amazing things through his church. That the church wasn't intended to just exist for a season and then fizzle out. Come on, y'all with me? Y'all wait today? Let's go. Y'all ready? That the church was, 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 was supposed to be something that didn't just exist and didn't just survive different seasons of culture, but the body of Christ was supposed to be something beautiful that people get to be a part of, that, that people wanted to be a part of, that it wouldn't be just a place that people would go. It would feel like this, this connected community of people that maybe had a lot of things that were uncommon about themselves, but they were united by faith in Jesus and his blood and his sacrifice and what he wanted to do. And that if we would unleash, not, look at me, not that we would come to church, but we would unleash people who desperately, fully were pursuing Jesus, that all that's happening in our world could be different. And so we... We, we knew right in that moment we, we, that God was calling us to be something, and we knew that we, we were convinced that the mission that God had for the church had never changed, that, that you didn't need to go to a conference or read a book. We, it took us 0.2 seconds to come up with the mission of this church, really. It wasn't something that we had to just wrestle over. It, this sentence, inspiring people to live and love like Jesus. Now, I'd love to tell you, man, I, I prayed and I fasted and I sought God for 68 years because I'm only 43 now. Um, I'd love to tell you all that. But no, this, that line, that reality came to me quick. Because you didn't have to look very far to understand why Jesus started this. He didn't leave us a bunch of ambiguity over why we would exist. Now listen, he gave us a lot of wiggle room for how we go about doing it, and I'm grateful for that. And, I'm, and you know, I'm longing for the day when the church who has the same mission, do you know that every church that claims to be centered around Jesus, we all have the same purpose. I don't care if you sit in seats or you sit in pews. I don't care if you have an orchestra or electric guitars. I don't care if you're in an old grocery store or in a building with stained glass windows and steeple. We all exist for the same reason. 
And I long for the day that we unite and don't let how we do church or maybe a few little variants and non-essential things keep us from fighting against each other because we have a bad enough enemy as it is. That's why I'm grateful. Like you hear Jesse say we're partnering with Journey Church in Ashboro to, to do Thanksgiving meals. And Friday night we had Anthony Pigpen, who's a worship leader at another church, join us. Man, well, I'm a, we got to start breaking down these denominators. It don't matter what the name is on the sign out front. It's the name that's glorified in that building that's what matters most. That's what matters most. Because when Jesus said what he said in Matthew 28, it was going to be the same mission for all of us. And us saying, inspiring people to live in love like Jesus, it's just, it's just our way of expressing what Jesus says here. When in Matthew 28, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, it says, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you better listen, because I, what I say matters. Verse 19, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Spirit and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And with that, Jesus left no room for our why. Like he gave it to us. He said, go make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, of all socioeconomic, skin color, like of all people who are willing to listen. Come on, somebody. I like that there's some people in the room ready to clap today. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Like that was Jesus' mission. That's why, that was why the church would exist. And throughout time, I don't care if it's 2021 or if it's 2028, for, for as long as Jesus chooses to wait to come back, that's why we're here. We're not here just to fill up this room. We're not here just to, to count. We're not here just to see people saved. Over the last few weeks, I've tried to get us to lean into this reality of maybe, just maybe, especially the evangelical church in America has missed why we're here. That we've made it. It's, oh, it's just about getting And the only thing we celebrate is salvation. And salvation is just the starting point. It's not the end point. Like, Jesus wanted so much more in us and through us, and I've even had to correct. We're not just here so that heaven could be more full. We're here so that your life right now could be full. Because John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say, I, I didn't come so they could have life and just have life eternal. No, full now. You have the Holy Spirit now. You have access to God now. The veil is torn, church. Woo, come a little Pentecostal today after what I just said. <laughs> like now, now, and I can't, I can't, that word disciples, man, it's, that's the one that stuck to me this time. Because one of the reasons why we do this series every year is just a gut check for me. Is our church still what God intended it to be? Am I leading it towards what God wants and not just what I want? Amen. Because if I, if I ever start, if you ever think, that the mission of this church is anything other than inspiring people to live in love like Jesus, we need to talk because I'm doing something wrong. We need to go to the elders because the last thing I want to be is the one that moves our church off mission. 
Inspiring people to live in love like Jesus is about making disciples. It's not just about seeing people saved. It's not just about watching people get baptized. It's about watching people step into the fullness of who God created them to be, growing, maturing every single day, which is a process that God wants to use and do in your life until he calls you home or he returns. It does not end. There is no destiny. Because you know what you discover? The more you know of God, the more there is to know of God. And like what I've discovered is the the more I get to know him, the more I learn about him, the more thirsty and hungry I get to know him, to discover who he is. Disciples, that's what Jesus was calling us to be. And and we kind of put it in in two simple sentences that, and and you can't define it simply. But we've kind of said it's it's trusting a disciple is somebody who trusts in what he did and is living by what he said. It is both and. It is trusting in what he did. It is recognizing that we are sinful, we are broken, and we are separated from God, and there's nothing that we can do about it. But Jesus did all that needed to be done when he hung on the cross and he paid the debt and he defeated the the grave and walked out of it. But it's not just about trusting in what he did. It's now aligning ourselves with what he said, living by his example, taking all the truth that he spoke and putting it in our lives and it living out in his fingerprint on every piece from the way that you parent to the way that you approach your career. Like you don't get to compartmentalize this thing and put like Jesus is here, my marriage is here. and No, Jesus is, is the chest of all the other drawers. He holds it all. And so we've been, over the last few weeks, just trying to wrap our minds around this concept and believe in it. Because it's really easy just to get saved and get settled. (laughs) I'm going to heaven. Especially, like, that's, that's the one question. Are you going to heaven? What if Jesus wants more for you than just to go to heaven? And some of us have bought, like, no, that's actually like the be all end all. That's, that's the final chapter is we get eternity with him. But Jesus wants something for you right now. Right now. To become a disciple. And so that begs the question, all right, if that's what Jesus wants for me, if that's what Jesus said the church is supposed to do is make disciples, the question is, all right, how? <laughs> right? That's what we want to do is, is, is all right, Matt, I, I'm in. I get it. I realize that Jesus wants more for me than just to be saved. I know that he wants more for me just to sit in church. I know, I know that he wants me to grow. I know he wants to mold me. I know he wants to put the Holy Spirit in my life to purge my priorities in alignment with his and do all these amazing things. But how? And that's a little more complicated. Because this is what you really want. You'd be like, all right, Matt, just, just tell me what to do. Give me the books. Give me the seminars. Send me to Sunday school. Do all the things. And in our mind, that's, we've turned discipleship into something that's just sitting and listening. And then maybe going and trying to apply. And look at me. I'm not saying it's not that, but I'm definitely saying it's a whole lot more than that. That we've turned discipleship into something that happens through just consuming a bunch of information. Come on, y'all with me? That's what we've done. So that's what the, the church, we go to conferences, we, go, we, re, we do Bible studies, and we listen to podcasts, and we do all these things, and we listen to crazy people like me stand up and talk for 35, 40 minutes every week, and, and we think that's discipleship. And I'm not saying that it's not that, but if it's limited to that, look at me, you will fall short of the spiritual maturity that God has for you if all you ever do is sit and listen. 
Because you know what I've discovered? Jesus had a lot to say about what it meant to be a disciple. Why don't we also look to him about how to make one? Like if we look to him to define what it is, why don't we also look to him to figure out how they are made? It seems crazy. If we trust him to define what they are, why don't we dive into his word and watch how he made them? Because we have insight. And we know that it always started not with a demand to listen, but an invitation to follow. Right? It wasn't just, it wasn't a demand to listen. It was an invitation to follow. When he, he walked up to Matthew's tax collector and said, hey, dude. Jesus said, dude. Hey, dude. I think you should leave all this behind and follow me. And I know you're making a lot of money. I know that financially you're doing well, but socially this has probably not been good for you because you're a Jew and now you've aligned with Rome and this probably hasn't worked out well. But come and follow me. And Matthew said, okay. Okay. There was something about Jesus and there was something about his own life that he knew there should and there needed to be more. (laughs) When he stands out and he says, Peter, hey, Drop your nets. Come follow me. You can be a fisherman, but of a different kind. And the Bible says immediately they threw down their nets because Peter knew that he knew what it was like to hold a full net, but he also maybe knew what it was like to walk around with an empty heart. And no matter how full his nets ever were, there was always something that's going to be missing, and here came somebody that could offer him more. But then what happened next looks so different than most of our discipleship experience. Because most of us, when I say, all right, tell me about your discipleship journey, it's like, yeah, I did this study, and I did this study, and I did this study, and I went to this class, and I did this thing, and that kind of, and look at me again, I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but you know what Jesus said, like, let's, we're gonna do life together. I ain't asking you to just listen to a lecture, I'm asking you to step into my life. And for three and a half years, they spent, they did life together. They, they, they in, inconvenienced each other and were around each other. And at times, I'm sure, because I know people, were annoyed by each other. We even see moments where Jesus gets a little frustrated because they're like, um, I'm going to sit on his right. No, I am. No, I am. No, I'm the greatest. No, you're the And he's like, listen, let me explain some things to you. And they, they actually just literally walked with Jesus and followed him in his life. And it was through those moments and those experiences that Jesus began to form their idea of what it meant to live. Y'all with me? You have moments, can I show you just a couple cool moments that are discipleship in progress and we don't even see them as such? Luke chapter 11, verse one, says one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. That's discipleship. They're going about life, and Jesus pauses to pray. And, and this watching people pray would not have been foreign for the disciples. This would happen often. People would step out in the temple courts, and Jesus refers to those people, the hypocrite people, that step out, and they say, Thine heavenly Father God. Y'all know those people? All of a sudden, you go to pray, and you start praying. You're from Randolph County. You don't speak King James. So they weren't, they weren't foreign to hearing somebody pray, 
But for the first time, they heard somebody pray, and it was different. Like Jesus was connecting to the Father. There was something so powerful in the way that Jesus prayed. The disciple says, they waited for him to finish, and they said, Jesus, we want to pray like that. We, how, teach us to pray like that. We've watched those religious folks pray, and they just seem to just be babbling and talking and just gibberish. You pray, and, and something changes. The atmosphere of the place shifts. Teach us to pray like that. That Jesus' discipleship model was walk with me and then wonder why I do what I do. Then ask me, and I will tell you. Like, you got to come in, do life with me. And as we're going about everyday experiences, you get to observe and ask. And that's how their faith begins to build. And there's so many moments like this. When Jesus is in the upper room, John chapter 13, and he washes their feet, even the feet of Judas, even the feet of Peter. And there's such a powerful moment. Then he says in verse 14 of John 13, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Leave that verse up. That was Jesus' whole goal in those three plus years that he was with the disciples. In everything I've done, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Yeah, there were moments when, he, when they sat at his feet and listened, and there were moments when he washed theirs. There's times when they watch him talk, they walk up and they see him talking to a Samaritan woman and it's so weird and they step back and they watch Jesus interact with somebody so different than him with such grace and honor that, that that's discipleship. That so much of our discipleship, our spiritual growth are things that aren't and can't be confined to lectures and monologues. They have to happen around... Discipleship doesn't happen by you just sitting in front of a stage. It happens when you sit around a table. When you interact with people in all these different ways. And maybe one of the reasons why our spiritual maturity isn't to the place it needs to be is because we haven't been willing to step out and engage in the ways that Jesus showed us are necessary, look at me, to really grow in your faith. Am I making sense? Y'all with me? This is easy. It's easy to sit in this room. I ain't saying it's always easy to listen to me or it's easy to get up, but this doesn't require a whole lot from you. Discipleship, remember, we said salvation is free. Discipleship costs you everything. And Jesus, decide, the way he made disciples, he said, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to do life together. I'm going to let you in. And we're going to be connected. And we're going to actually do life together. And we're going to have hard conversations. And I'm going to let you see me up close. And maybe, just maybe, that's the way it has to happen now, too. And maybe, just maybe, that's a big piece of our discipleship that's missing. That we've limited our discipleship to just sitting in rooms and listening to teachers. And that's great. And I'm not saying we abandon that. But we're going to have to add something if we're going to be disciples. Come on. And, and 
John makes it really clear in the New Testament. I love, I love reading what John had to say, because this is the disciple John who wrote, you know, he wrote Revelation, he wrote the Gospel of John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he wrote these letters, but he, was, he waited till really late in his life to write these things down. So this whole disciple thing is something he had been trying to do for several decades now. That he was there that day on that mountain when Jesus said, go make disciples. And John thought, man, this is, a, this is a weighty task. You're asking us to go do for others what you did for us. That's ex- Can we all agree? That's essentially what Jesus, he said, just as I've done for you, like do for others. I know there should be some conviction in the room because when was the last time you really let people in? And this is what we think, well, well, well who am I? And we try to act like our imperfection is an excuse to not disciple other people. Jesus didn't release 11 perfect people. Jesus was the only one that was perfect. So when he said, go do like God, he realized that they were human. He He didn't think he was releasing superheroes. But John says, 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and has appeared to us. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message you have heard from him. We have heard from him and we declare it to you. Do you see what he's saying? He says, everything that we're telling you, this is from our firsthand experience. We got to do life with Jesus and everything we're writing is born out of that experience. So what you have seen in us, we saw in him. And it was this idea of individual, complete, relational multiplication that was Jesus' model. Jesus and all of the New Testament, look at me, makes it very clear that his design for discipleship is through intentional relationship. That his design for discipleship is through intentional relationship. And that means more than just sitting in rows and listening to a monologue. It's about sitting in circles and having a dialogue. It's about doing life with other people in a way that, yes, look at me, will be messy at times and will be uncomfortable frequently. But that's Jesus' way. And perhaps one of the reasons why there's a spiritual shallowness in our churches is because we've limited to just one piece of a much broader puzzle that God intended to grow our faith. Y'all with me? Come on. And we're not doing any more. And the last two years haven't helped. Intentional relationship. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be a disciple of Jesus, the first thing I need you to know is you must choose for yourself. You gotta choose it for yourself. Look at me. Nobody else can decide if you're gonna follow Jesus for you. Every parent in the room realizes that. (laughs) Like, my kids don't get to go to heaven on my coattails. 
I can't make them trust in Jesus. I can make them behave. Yes, I can. I can make them come to church. You know what, I, you know what I've never been able to figure out how to do? Make, make people love Jesus. If I've learned anything in 20-some plus years of ministry is I can't get you to desire him. But I know this, you don't grow if you don't want to. You've got, you got just as much Jesus as you want. Because the more you want, the more he's going to give. He says, you draw here, near to him, and what did he say? He would draw near to you. So you want him? He's come. He's there. I can't make you want this. You have to choose it for yourself. And every place in Scripture you see this, like they had to make the choice. If you're looking on the vintage notes, I'm not going to get into all the scriptures right now, but from the day of Pentecost on, it's always an individual decision. This is why this is important, because to do what Jesus requires of you next to grow, you have to want to. That makes sense? Like, you have to want to. That means if the only reason why you come to church is because afraid God's going to be mad at you, if you don't, you're not going to grow in your faith. Like, motivation has a lot to do with what you take from something, right? You've been there. Like, you've been to a place, and you didn't want to be there. You knew it, and everybody else knew it. And so it wasn't a good experience. Am I making sense? So, so when, if you don't want Jesus, you can go to every Bible study. You can listen to every, every podcast. You can do all the things. But if the desire of your heart is not Jesus above all else, look, you will not grow. And you definitely won't step into intentional relationships because that is scary. You have to choose Jesus for yourself, but you don't grow by yourself. You can't grow by yourself. You must choose for yourself, but you can't grow by yourself. You can have all the resources, all the books, all the tools, but if you sit in isolation and only consume information and never step into relationship, you will not grow like God wants you to grow. Does that make sense? You with me? You can, have, you, can, you can get on YouTube and watch every preacher that you love more than me 50 times a week, but that is not necessarily going to grow your faith. Because God never intended for this thing to work in isolation. He constantly demonstrates this all throughout his word. Like when the book of Acts, which is kind of the thing that inspired this church after the day of Pentecost, do you look what they did? They did, he says, it doesn't say after the day of Pentecost, they went home with a bunch of good materials, a couple good books, some resources, and by themselves in their homes, they read until their hearts were content. Now it says in Acts 2, after the day of Pentecost, it says they devoted themselves, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and wonder at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It says they continued to get together, to come together, to meet in each other's home. They did life together. And now am I saying that 
you need to invite the thousand people that are connected to church to your house. No. But what I'm saying is you need a circle of people in your life that are helping champion your spiritual growth, holding you accountable, and pushing you towards Jesus. Your discipleship right now is being shaped more by the five people that you spend the most time with than necessarily this church and what happens in this room. That Jesus said, discipleship happens when we live in proximity to one another. And over the last couple years, we've really increased connectivity. But don't ever make the mistake of believing that connectivity is the same as proximity. We're connected. You can see the picture of what your neighbor had for dinner at the restaurant last night on Facebook. You can see, so you can get a big window through social media, into, and you can connect in a lot of ways through church, through these mediums. But don't ever think that connectivity and proximity are the same. And I'm not saying we don't need connectivity, we do, but we have to have proximity if we're going to grow. We have to have people that we are letting in and having hard spiritual conversations with, people that we trust, people that we can be transparent with. People where we can do what James said, confess your sins with one another that you might be healed. People that can tell what's happening in your heart and mind just because of the proximity. That discipleship, yeah, I hope you feel like what happens in this room is growing in your, in your faith. But if it's only what's happening in this room, and you're not sitting across a lunch table from time to time, and having somebody say, how are you doing? When's the last time you looked at porn? How's your relationship with your wife? When's the last time you had a sip of alcohol? How are you doing with your anger? What's God teaching you from his word right now? That happens not in connectivity and proximity. Do you have it? Do you want it? You need it. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray. We're going to worship. And I want us to use this last time to do some really deep soul searching. What do you need to do? I mean, what our church does cannot have an impact on your relationship with Jesus unless your desire continues to grow. It doesn't matter what we do. It matters what you desire. And so, God, I pray that you would help us in this moment, Lord, to take some inventory, to ask ourselves some hard questions, to see where we've settled to look at our lives and see if it's, if it's being lived in isolation. It doesn't matter how much material we're consuming, how much Bible we're reading all alone, how many podcasts, all those things that, God, you've called us, you have demonstrated before us that this thing was supposed to happen in close proximity, living life, doing life with the right people. And, God, I know that's scary for so many people in this room, but your design, your desire for relationships is that be the place where discipleship happens. And I pray that you would help us to start having some hard conversations with ourselves and be willing to take a step so that we can grow. God, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. 
If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.